take your Bibles, let's uh, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. You'll have to bear with me, my voice has been kind of crackly and stuff today. Maybe too many mochas at McDonald's, I don't know. <laughs> they help keep me awake on the, the road, you know. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be looking at an important uh, topic. It's regarding missions, but uh, it's something that you can be involved in regarding missions. We're going to be looking at the topic of praying for missions and missionaries. And let's start by reading in Acts chapter 1 and uh, starting in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Then let's look down at verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Let's bow our heads and let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to meet together to worship you in our songs and in the preaching. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each heart. I pray that you'd speak through me and that I may be a channel of your blessing tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we look, we're looking at praying for missions, but I think we need to look first at the importance of prayer for the local church. Now, if you think about way back in the book of Acts, the, the disciples, they knew the importance of prayer. Jesus was just about to leave the earth physically, and he gave the disciples the great commission. He told them in verse 8 here, "'Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you.'" And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But before they could do that, they had to wait for something. They had to wait for the promise of the Father. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told them, don't depart from Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. It'd be like if your boss uh, sent you on a road trip, but he told you, don't go on the road trip until I give you money for the journey. Jesus said, don't go reaching the world with the gospel yet. You're not ready. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was needed. He'd give them power. He'd give them the words to say. He would bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus had taught them. And so the disciples, they didn't just sit around Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit to drop down upon them, you know. They didn't uh, meditate in some trance like a lot of people do. 
No, they actively pursued the Holy Spirit's power, I believe. I think that's probably what they were praying about. They were probably also praying because uh, the people around them didn't really like them. They had just killed Jesus. And uh, so the disciples, they were in Jerusalem and they were praying. Verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. First of all, I'd like to look at prayer in the local church. Uh, first of all, under this point of prayer in the local church, we want to look at how they prayed. And we find that in verse 14, it says, These all continued with one accord. I believe they had unified prayer. They had unified prayer. A local church needs unified prayer. It needs everyone to be on the same page. Now, what are we supposed to pray about? What are we supposed to be unified about? Well, they were unified about something. They were unified about their need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And they did get that power on the day of Pentecost. Uh, I, I want to look at uh, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2. And we see a few things that the church is supposed to be concerned about. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So we see that we are supposed to be praying, we're supposed to be beseeching God, we're supposed to be interceding upon the for the, on the behalf of other people. We're supposed to be praying for the government. Why? Because God wants us to live a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and honesty. God wants us to be able to live a life for Him. And He wants us to be able to tell other people about Him. And we see that in verse 3, for uh, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved? and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. The Lord wants to see all people saved, and he wants us to pray about that. Yes, it is right to pray for people to be saved. It, it's right to pray to that end. Pray that your relatives will be saved. Pray that your neighbors will be saved. Pray that your government leaders will be saved, because God wants all men to be saved. He doesn't just have a select group of people he wants to be saved. He, has, he wants all people to be saved. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus Christ. There's no other way they are going to get saved. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We need to pray that people will be saved. We need to be unified. I remember hearing the story about a preacher in the land of Wales, and he was instrumental in uh, the Welsh revival. I can't remember his name, but he got up to preach uh, one time, and he realized that he had something between him and one of the men in the church. And Right before he preached, he got that issue right with that man. And that time, the power of God came down 
upon that service, and God greatly worked in that service. You know, if people in churches in America, if Christians, God's people would get unified in prayer, it'd be amazing what God could do. It'd be amazing what God can do in Spooner, Wisconsin, if Spooner Baptist Church was unified in prayer. Perhaps you are unified, but don't let that drop. Don't let yourselves become disunified. Um, Church splits don't usually glorify God. Um, Quarrels against your brothers and sisters in Christ aren't going to glorify God, but unified believing prayer can glorify God and great things can happen. Let's also look back at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I also want to look at another thing about prayer in the church. It says, these all continued with one accord. I also want to see that everyone in a local church needs to be involved in prayer. It shouldn't just be the pastor or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. It needs to be everyone. You know, it's, it's sad that many churches, their Wednesday night or whatever night they have prayer meeting, there's not very many people. It's just a handful of people out for prayer meeting because people don't understand the importance of prayer. You should all be at prayer meeting. You should all be involved in praying for the lost, praying for each other, that you'd stay strong in your walk with God. Why? Because we're in a spiritual battle. The devil doesn't want churches to prosper. The devil wants us to fail. And we're in a spiritual battle. Acts chapter 6 tells us all about that. Let's look quickly at I mean, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice the end of verse 10, he says, In the power of his might. We're not fighting a spiritual battle in our own power. That's why we need God's power. The disciples, they were supposed to wait at Jerusalem because they needed God's power. They needed to stand in His might. They needed the Holy Spirit to enable them. And we need the same thing in 2013. Revival, God's working. That wasn't for the past centuries. That's for today. We all need it. We're in a spiritual battle Verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You know, the devil, he wants to get you when you're weak. But if you have the armor of God on, you can stand. Having done all, to stand. And down in verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication, in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You know, a lot of times we think about all the the different pieces of armor, the shield of faith, the, the sword of the spirit, and these are all great things that we need to have, but a lot of times we forget about praying always with all prayer and supplication. That's just as much a part of the battle as having all the other pieces of armor. 
If you don't pray, it's not going to work. You need to have prayer. And praying always, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. We should always be, have an attitude of dependence upon God and bringing things to Him. That's what prayer in the local church should be like. Unified prayer with everyone involved. It also needs to be unceasing prayer like we just looked at. It needs to be supplication, looking to God and begging Him to do something because we are resting on Him. We're depending upon Him. That's what faith is. We get saved by faith, but a lot of times we forget that the just shall live by faith. We ought to walk a life of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We seek Him in His Word and we seek Him through prayer. When's the last time you got on your knees and you poured out your heart before God for a lost soul? It's something that we all need to do. I also want to look at how the local church can pray for missionaries. How can you pray for a missionary? Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I want to just look at three simple prayer requests that you can pray uh, for, even for us, for your missionaries. While you're turning there, I just want to uh, relate to you a story that has uh, really stuck in my mind. Uh, my middle name is Evan, and there's a preacher in Wales. His name was Evan Roberts, and so my parents gave me a name. I don't think I'm quite living up to his uh, testimony, but he's, he was a great man of God in the land of Wales, and he really wanted to be used by God, and he wanted to see revival in the land of Wales. And a leader in one of the churches told him not to miss a prayer meeting because if you miss a prayer meeting, that's when God's power um, might be made known and God's power will come down and you'll miss it if you're not there. So he decided he'd be at all the prayer meetings. So he went from church to church. He didn't just go to you know the Wednesday night prayer meeting at his church and then the Saturday men's prayer breakfast or something. No, he went from church to church because he wanted to see the Holy Spirit's power on his life. And God truly did use him, and he did experience God's power because he was fervent in prayer. And, you know, the Welsh Revival is an example of how God can work. And 100,000 people came to Christ in that revival. Unfortunately, many of those people um, didn't continue living for God like they should have. And the land of Wales is a dead land. Spiritually speaking, the churches are turning into bars and dance halls and houses. And my brother is a missionary over in Wales, and it's a, it's a hard mission field. But God is at work there. But prayer is needed. Just like it was in the day of Evan Roberts, we need it today. And your missionaries need you to pray for them. Let's look here at these two verses. First, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. I see three prayer requests that you can pray for us and for your missionaries and for your pastor. 
First of all, pray for the freedom of God's word. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. The word of God needs to go forth freely, without hindrances, without um, distractions. You know, many times people get distracted, you know, by a baby crying or, or something like that happening. We need to pray that God's word would go forth unhindered, that it would be able to go forth and do what it needs to do. You know, you think about uh, a flood when it just keeps raining and raining and raining and pouring and uh, a lot of rain comes down, eventually you get a flood and you can get some raging rivers. I remember when we were traveling through Pennsylvania a couple of years ago, uh, we almost got stuck in the middle of the state because the eastern half of the state got washed out by a bunch of floods. And uh, we fortunately made it out, but that power, that water, when it can go wherever it wants, it's raging, it's powerful. And it'll tear out bridges, it'll tear out roads in no time. Things that would take days and months to do with uh, bulldozers and backhoes, it takes just a few hours to do with water. We need to pray that that would happen with God's Word, that it go forth unhindered so that it can bring forth fruit, which is the next prayer request. Pray that the Word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. The Thessalonians had heard the word of God. Paul had gone to Thessalonica and a few people had gotten saved and God's word was glorified there in Thessalonica. And they were, he was asking them to pray that the same thing would happen in his ministry with other people. You need to pray also here in Spooner that what has happened here would happen in other cities in Wisconsin, that it would happen in South Africa, that it would happen with our ministry, and that God's word would bring forth fruit just like it has in your life. Also, he says here in verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. also need to pray that the missionary would be delivered from the hindrances of Satan. Satan would greatly love to have a missionary killed by a criminal. And that happens often in South Africa. The crime is bad. Most of the houses have walls around them and gates and bars on the windows and bar doors on the houses because there's criminals. We even had somebody break into the guest house uh, behind the house we were staying in. That kind of uh, got us thinking a lot about crime and how we need safety. We need your prayers that the devil wouldn't try to hinder us. There's also spiritual hindrances like uh, witch doctors and things that will get people off track and uh, will hinder the growth of the gospel. And we need you to pray not only that God's word would go forth freely, not only that it would bring forth fruit, but that Satan's hindrances would be removed from our ministry. You know, we have an example in the book of Acts chapter 16. We're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but Acts chapter 16 talks about how Paul and Silas went uh, to Philippi and Paul cast a demon out of a young lady who was uh, following them around, saying that uh, they were, you know, servants of God. And, you know, can you imagine how great that would look if a demon-possessed girl was following you around and saying you were servants of God? You know, people wouldn't want to listen to you. So Paul cast this demon out. And uh, then the people got angry because that 
girl was a source of income to them. And so they got beaten up and they got put in jail. And the devil, he really thought he had this, this situation licked. But they started praying and singing praises to God at midnight. And an earthquake came. And the doors of the prison were opened and the the the, the, uh, the uh, prison keeper was going to kill himself, but it ended up that he got saved and his whole household got saved and there was a church started in Philippi. You know, when people get praying, God can change situations around. God can do mighty works and that's what we need. We need the prayer support of God's people.